Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. want to remind you that The Big Show tomorrow is going to be at the warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. Prices so low, it will blow your mind at the warehouse. Uh, Gordon's going to be out of town for the next couple of days, but uh, Bowler is going to come join me uh, from 4 to 6 tomorrow. So it'll be oh, fun to have uh, Bowler along for a couple of hours. And then on Friday, Britton Johnson is going to be sitting in for the show. And, of course, uh, appropriate to have both those guys uh, tomorrow on Friday because it can be heavy basketball, heavy NBA days with the finals getting underway. So it'll be fun to get both of their perspectives on uh, what's going down. I hope it's a good series because that's really what – at this point, those of us who are watching – we want to be entertained, you know? I mean, and, and competition is the key to entertainment for me. Not necessarily a bunch of high-flying dunks, although that's cool, too. But I like to see the best teams on the planet going at it in a way that is uh, representative of what they've accomplished thus far. If you had to predict, would you think that, or predict that it is going to be an entertaining series? Uh, I don't think it's going to... I think the game's will be entertaining, but I think the series will be relatively one-sided. Joining us now, he covers the NBA for the Bleacher Report. He's our friend Grant Hughes. Hi, Grant. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing great. Help us with this discussion. Are you expecting a close, entertaining series? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I, I joked uh, right after the Raptors finished off the Bucks just to kind of kill their momentum on purpose, Warriors and five, question mark. But I think I think we're getting six. I'd like to get seven. But but I think, um, you know, Toronto to me is, is maybe the best team the Warriors will have faced in the finals. Um, they're just – they have answers for so many different things. They can play big, small. They've got wing defenders, shooters, you know, you name it. Um, so I think they can give Golden State a run, and I, and I hope so, um, just just for entertainment's sake. You know, this will be the last meaningful ball we get for a few months, so I'm hoping for a good one. How much time do you think Kawhi will spend covering Steph? You know, not a lot. Um, I think my guess is he'll be either on Draymond Green or, or Andre Iguodala, just kind of which will allow him to play a little bit of free safety um, defensively. But – if the Warriors go to that pick and roll that they killed Houston with, um, having Kawhi on Draymond Green means you can then switch him on to Curry, um, which I don't think the Warriors really will want anything to do with. So I think that's probably the circumstance you'll see Kawhi on Curry most. But I'd be surprised if you matched up with him, you know, from the get-go intentionally. I know it's up in the air on whether or not Kevin Durant will play, but do you think the Warriors will really need him this series? No, I don't think they need him. Um, I, I think, you know, there's been so much discussed about, you know, his absence and, and what it means uh, in the last, you know, few weeks. I think, I think I'd put it this way. I think Durant raises the Warriors' ceiling. He, you know, they can be a better version of themselves with him. But I think we've seen also that uh, he kind of allows – his presence means a lot of the other guys relax a little bit. And certainly you don't get this version of Steph Curry with Durant needing touches and shots. And I think the role guys seem a little more empowered without Durant. And I think the Warriors' biggest enemy is complacency. And I feel like when they don't have him out there, um, everybody plays harder because the margin for error is smaller. 
So I think they can win it without him, uh, and I think they may have to. I don't think he's going to play a meaningful role in this series just based on what I've heard. Um, So uh, don't need him, but it'd be nice, I guess, is the best way I'd put it. Okay, so if we put KD on the shelf, and then we look at uh, Steph for the Warriors and Kawhi for the Raptors, who is it most important in a secondary way for someone to step up on each team? And who do you think that person will be? Well, I think it's, it's interesting, you know, for the Raptors, for example, they've got, I don't think that the Raptors can win this series. If you get, you know, every other game being a good Kyle Lowry game. Um, I think Lowry needs to be the guy that is consistently, the Raptors' second leading scorer. I think he needs to be aggressive, like we saw him uh, towards the end of that Milwaukee series. I don't think if, if he's kind of playing hot potato with the ball and Marcus Gasol falls into this too, I think that's a problem. But, but Lowry's got to be that second guy for Toronto. And, and for the Warriors, you know, it, it's easy to say Draymond Green, but I just think, I don't think there's any way he doesn't have a phenomenal series. I think he's just playing so well right now and is in such a groove that he's going to make a difference. So Clay Thompson needs to make shots. I think Thompson is the guy that uh, could really swing the series as a secondary piece for Golden State. Grant Hughes which is with us from the Bleacher Report. If Boogie Cousins uh, can go, does he have much of a role in this series? Health aside, he, he doesn't seem like uh, the type of guy that gets pulled out of the paint and can be effective on defense. No, that's, I mean, you hit it. That's a big deal. Um, Toronto, you know, one of the things you want to avoid in playoff basketball and certainly the finals is, is putting a target out there. And if you put Cousins out there, even if not for this, this quad injury that cost him several weeks, uh, the Raptors would just go at him every time down in the pick and roll and, and force him to defend in space, which he's not very good at. The other thing is, you know, the Warriors have, have sort of rediscovered this thing where they look like the 2015 Warriors where they're moving the ball and everybody's zipping around and Cousins needs his touches. He plays slow. Um, he, he just would change things in a negative way to me from what the Warriors have achieved most recently in terms of their style of play. So I don't think Cousins has a role and I don't, I really think that the best case scenario is if he gives you five, 10 minutes against second units to just sort of post up a few times, but I don't think he has a meaningful role to play, honestly. How big of a deal is the home court in this series? Well, certainly, you know, I don't, I don't think the Warriors have been the road team, quote-unquote, in any of their, their past final trips. So it's going to be different for them. Um, I do think, though, that, you know, th- there's that stat out there that they, they always have won a game on the road in the playoffs. There's something like 19 straight series or something. So I don't think playing on the road bothers them as much as it would most other teams. And I think really they're going to embrace, I think, not to say that they're an underdog, but they don't have home court. They don't have one of the best players in the game. I think they're going to lean into this and, you know, try to concoct some scenario where they have something to prove, even though really, you know, if you've been to the finals five times in a row, that's kind of a fiction. But but I think it matters less in this series than it otherwise would. Um, so, you know, the Raptors have that big advantage. It's definitely an advantage, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't concern myself with it too much if I were Golden State. Grant Hughes is with us from the Bleacher Report, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What would you make of the story today that everybody is up for grabs with the Rockets? <laughs> I mean, it's, it feels like a knee-jerk reaction on their part just because, you know, they've given the Warriors, you know, certainly two years ago, 
if they don't go over 27 or whatever it was in, in the decisive game of those conference finals, um, they might have a ring right now. Um, so they've been really close. And, and I hate to see a team get really close and just try to blow it up. But at the same time, Chris Paul's 34 and is clearly in decline. So that's a contract you probably want to get off of if you can. So I understand it. I just, it's just tough for me to stomach these, these, you know, kind of rash rebuild decisions when for a team like that, that's really close. And, and I similarly hate to see the Bucks get drastic this summer uh, because I thought they were really close too. What do you make of the dysfunction in the Lakers? I, I mean, you guys are in Salt Lake City. I wonder if you can see the smoke from there, uh, of the dumpster fire at Staples Center right now. It's, it's just, uh, it's not surprising, I guess, to hear sort of all of the details of of how dysfunctional it's been based on, you know, everything from the free agency moves they made after getting LeBron last summer were huge mistakes that everybody just killed from the moment they made those signings to the Anthony Davis mess all year. It just kind of smelled like mismanagement and and now we know um it really you know top down organizationally it was it was worse really than than anybody had a sense of so not surprised to hear it it almost sort of justifies the way they've done business over the last couple of years what's rob palinka's reputation like uh now around the league i don't think his reputation was great before all this right i think you know, he was, you go back to, to well, here, there's a, a jazz connection here. You know, Carlos Boozer, I think, agreed in principle to opt out and re-sign in restricted free agency or have his rights renounced or whatever with Cleveland, and, and he left. Um, and that was a Palinka client. So I think there had been certainly questions about how trustworthy he was just based on that alone. And then I don't know how much stock to put in Magic Johnson's comments recently, but you know, he said that when he took the job, people were calling to warn him about Polinka. So in addition to, I think, some, some misfires in terms of their free agent moves, um, it doesn't seem like he's someone that uh, whose word goes very far around the league, which is not ideal if your job principally is to transact with, with other teams around the league. Anthony Davis uh, confirms that he uh, he wants out of New Orleans. Uh, any are we any closer to figuring out where these big name players are going to end up? I mean, it's gonna. These things always seem to take longer than you want. It just just because it takes time, I think. And to me, it seems like New Orleans um, really was going to go into this this conversation today that that David Griffin had with with Davis and and his representation. Yeah, I think he went into that sort of hoping that it would go better maybe, and, and in- indications are that they hadn't even really started looking for a trade partner since Griffin came aboard. So I think it may take a little while. And, you know, really, with with how bad the Lakers look now and how the Celtics may lose Kyrie Irving and, and who knows what's going to happen there, the, the good destinations for Davis to wind up in are kind of shrinking. Um, so I think that might kind of draw this out a little bit longer too. Griffin has said in the past that ownership has given him basically uh, the the keys to the car to find a destination for Anthony Davis. Do you think that's actually true, or do you think ownership would step in and not let him go to the Lakers? I, I, my sense is that, you know, had there been – well, who knows with Dell Demps last year, that seemed like a strange interaction with the Lakers with all the stuff leaking about trade offers and stuff. My, my sense is this ownership group – I think would let Griffin make the best deal for the team. All the indications so far are 
uh, ownership, uh, Gail Benson, uh, to put a name on it, are, you know, they're spending money on facilities. They're filling out a, a good staff around Griffin. Um, certainly having the number one overall pick kind of gives you some more options and creates a little more optimism if you do lose Davis. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me for ownership to specifically say don't trade Davis to Team X or Team Y um, just because of the optics. I think whatever the best deal is, and maybe that's the Lakers, maybe not, um, I would hope and, and I think that Griffin will be empowered to do that. How active do you think the offseason will be? You know, a lot of times these things get built up and everyone thinks there's going to be this player explosion, and then it's uh, more mild than what folks uh, expected. I think it'll be pretty active, um, you know, certainly compared to last year where there just wasn't much of anything going on and the market was, was really depressed um, in terms of, you know, teams having money to spend. I think I saw a figure the other day, something like upwards of 40% of the league, um, depending on player options and other stuff, can be free agents this summer. So just from the numbers game, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of activity. And, I mean, there's big names out there. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard – Irving is going to opt out. You're going to have, uh, you know, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler. The, you know, there's going to be no shortage of Kevin Durant. I don't know how I got that far without mentioning him. Um, I don't think anyone's sure where all these guys are going, which kind of makes it more interesting to me. Um, but, but I think it's going to be a good one. I think you're going to see a lot of superstars moving around. What are the odds Kevin Durant actually actually stays in uh, in uh, the in Golden State with the Warriors? I mean, to me, it seems like if there were any reasonable chance of that happening, by now you would have seen the report of, hey, you know, actually this Knicks thing isn't a done deal. Um, he, he's kind of warming to the idea or sources say that Duran is, is to feels like he's going to have something to prove if, if he doesn't play in the finals. I just, you don't, you don't see that stuff. It's not out there. Um, and there would be a market for a report like that. So that tells me that there's just really no credible indication that he's staying. Um, and maybe that changes based on what happens in this, this series starting tomorrow. But to me, it's just, uh, you know, the sheer volume of, of Nick's connections and reports and whispers and stuff just makes it seem like the odds of him staying are, you know, microscopic at this point. What did you think of R.J. Hampton's decision to head to New Zealand and to uh, compete professionally as opposed to college basketball? I saw this latest report that uh, he told uh, ESPN that watching Luka Doncic uh, play for the Mavericks uh, sort of uh, made him feel more comfortable with that kind of thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, certainly. He's, he's one of them. He probably is the most high-profile guy in terms of his rank in the recruiting class to, to make a jump like this. Um, I don't know that I'd want to compare myself to Doncic just because, it, you know, even though it is true that Doncic played professionally and really has been a pro since he was, you know, 14, 15 years old, that, Doncic to me seems like a guy that just rolled out of bed at like age nine and just understood how basketball was supposed to work. I think he's kind of a rare, you know, just almost not, you know, savant's a strong word, but... I wouldn't base a lot of decisions on how he looks as a rookie. At the same time, you know, it makes a lot of sense. You know, go make some money. Um, maybe you, you, you do benefit from playing against, you know, adults. Um, and you learn, you get a feel for what professional life is like. And your adjustment period as a rookie is not going to be as significant as it would be if you had gone to college. It makes a lot of sense to me. And, and 
you know, I think I don't think this will be the last time. I think we're going to see this happen increasingly, especially if this goes well. Hey, Grant, thank you as always for coming on with us. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the finals. Thanks. Anytime. There you go. He is the one and only Grant Hughes from Bleacher Report. Uh, joining us to give us a little uh, little insight. He thinks, uh, Gordon, he thinks it's going to be a good series. Yeah, the question is, will the series be enjoyable? And I don't know whether it will be. I'm guessing that it will be, sort of. So you're thinking like gentleman sweep then? Uh, or are you thinking sweep sweep? No, I don't think a sweep. Because no. if it goes to six, that's a pretty good series. Yeah. I would agree. I think the games are going to be competitive. I'd be surprised, and who knows, but I'd be surprised if the if the margin of victory is 25 points. I would expect it to be tight. I think so, too. I think the Raptors are, are good enough for that. I think the we Raptors— We saw that with the Warriors. We saw that uh, in earlier games. How many times did they trail by 17 against— the Blazers. Oh, yeah, and then just erase it in a heartbeat. I mean, it's, yeah. it's amazing what the Warriors can do. I think the Raptors can take it to six. I think that's possible. Okay. Yeah. I, I hope that's what happens. Most people, I think, would be would take that. I think so, too. You give me six. <laughs> that would be satisfying. Because, if, you know, I mean, I, I know people like dominant teams and whatnot, but you make it all the way to the finals and it's a sweep. Let's make it interesting. Yeah. And I hope Grant's right that this is the best opponent in the finals that Golden State will have had in this particular run. You think that's true? Better than those Cleveland teams? Certainly last year's. Yeah. And I still think the the Warrior team that lost, there's a little bit – there were some some factors that went into them losing that were pretty – you know, all had to line up for that to happen. Draymond – like his suspension, Clay got hurt in the first round in that uh, in those playoffs and was really not the same, especially by the time they got to the finals. And then Kyrie Irving played out of his mind. Well, let's hope that uh, injuries don't play a factor more than they already will. Because you hate to see that. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I, I for one, hope Kevin Durant returns. Yeah. I think that would provide some fascinating drama for the NBA. Because pro- what if he returned and they lost a game? How difficult is it for a player to come back and be in prime form after an injury like that? But he's Kevin Durant, so his role is going to be right there waiting for him. Well, even if he is 100% recovered, which you wonder about, but if he is, can you just – I suppose he's staying as active as he can as he's rehabbing. I don't think we're going to see him in the series. Uh Uh-uh, I don't. I think one. I think the the injury is serious enough that he's going to be on the border, uh, pretty much the whole time. And then two, I don't, I don't, I don't see a motivation for him, especially if his team's winning. The Clippers and Knicks hope he doesn't play in this. Year. Right. Don't don't re-injure <laughs> that, Kevin. <laughs> Stay healthy. Stay sound. What about the fact that this thing is opening up in Toronto? I don't think it makes much of a difference. Don't you? Well, no. I don't. Wait, but for a team like Toronto that hasn't been there before, maybe starting at home would give them some sense of comfort. It, okay. But those, there's also pressure there because those are the games you're supposed to win as opposed to taking all the pressure off and going and try to snag one on the road. So I, it, what, it depends on what perspective you look at it. Well, you've got to be confident. But if they, you're right. If they lose the first two games, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can punch that ticket. Right. <laughs> 
All right, joining us now in studio, our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic, and you're here to help our listeners, and there's probably a lot of our listeners driving around out there who's tried different remedies, or maybe they're embarrassed about it, and yeah. you guys can just take care of it, no problem. We can. Um, this acoustic wave therapy for erectile dysfunction is really cool, really breakthrough. Um, it's clinically proven and FDA cleared to increase blood flow. So if you think about, okay, you've got ED, what do you need more of? That's blood flow. Um, and the most important and I think the coolest part is no supplements, no medication, no injections, no surgery. Typically, uh, with a few treatments done over a two to three week period, a guy can get back to normal function in the bedroom without any of that spontaneity. That's the key here. That must be liberating. When yeah. you see the, the guys who come in for treatment, what's their mood when they leave? Well, when they come in, they're frustrated and embarrassed. And then when they leave, oh, it's, it's a whole different world. In <laughs> fact, we had the wife of a patient bring us uh what did she bring us a plate of brownies or a, you, nice. you know? so you see that's how we really know is when the spouse is happy um so that's a cool sign well and a high percentage of guys who go through this treatment a really high percentage uh, yeah. that totally fixes the problem yeah it can get if you've got partial function left in the bedroom um you can probably get back to 100 percent. maybe not a teenager again but just normal the way it should work Get the spontaneity back. Yes, that's right. All right. Give them a call, 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, and you guys are doing the exam for free. We are. So give us a call. The medical doctor will do a consultation, assessment, and exam totally free. This will tell you where you're at, what caused your ED. Uh, he'll do a blood flow ultrasound, and that whole process is free to the listeners that pick up the phone and call us now. No risk at all, 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right, uh, David, or uh, excuse me, Adam Silver. I thought I had a fascinating idea he floated out there that I've been kind of in favor of for a while now, Gordon. Let's get to that coming up next. All right. Stay tuned. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. I look at the Devils, they went 7-5. and five. All the great ones down there have rolled off a 7-5 and five season. Have you had a coach who didn't go 7-5? <laughs> and five? Well, yeah, they used to only play 10 games. So the Utes have to go back to the 80s to find a coach who didn't have a 10-win season? The Cougars have to go back to the 60s? They were playing fewer games then, so I guess that's not a good bar. That's what I just said. You just said it like it was brand finish. new news. You weren't paying a lick of attention. I hang on your every stupid word, and me, you just blow me off. That's a great point, Dave. They did play fewer games back then. Why didn't I think? Think of that. He's trying to find Utes and Cougars and mash up with my Aztecs. I need some. You can kiss oh, my yeah, Aztecs. Yeah, I need some root beer. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, let's Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you to join the Saturday show at Ashley, Ashley Furniture on June 1st from 1 to 4, 1773 South, 300 West, right here in Salt Lake City. Go hang out with Adrian and Hatch. Have a good time on Saturdays. Yeah. I would encourage everybody to do so. Gordon, Adam Silver talked to Mark Stein. He's actually making the media rounds pre-NBA um, Finals. He's popped up on a number of different platforms. But he talked to Mark Stein of the New York Times, and they talked about uh, an idea that I've really 
uh, thought has been a good one for a while now, but Adam Silver is kind of, he said it's in the conceptual phase. Okay. So, you know, who knows if it's it's coming or not. But some sort of mid-season or end-of-season tournament that's almost independent of the NBA regular season. Now, the end-of-season one could have an interesting component where they determine with that tournament, they determine the eighth, and the, uh, the eighth seed in both conferences. Or do something like European style where you have an independent tournament in the middle of the year. So we're talking about teams from other countries coming Uh, in and playing. I don't think so. No, I think you're talking NBA franchises who have something else to play for aside from just your normal NBA regular season. Do you think international teams would be invited? uh, No, but I don't know. I guess they could be, but I didn't get that sense. Uh, reading through his comments today, hmm. I I would actually kind of like to see that if if they did invite like the the best team from that won the Euro Cup or whatever it's called, have them come in and play the an NBA team. You don't think that would be kind of interesting if they were going to do this? I I just don't know whether teams are going to be owners are going to be overly uh, excited about putting their players at risk. Um, for some sort of prize that might be less than important to them. Well, I think I think you can look at it from a couple of different ways. I think owners, if they're putting butts in seats and they're making more money, <laughs> I think that that's what owners are here to do. I think there's a reason they don't talk about cutting back on the 82-game schedule because they want a product to put out there 82 nights a year. And if you just increase that and you can make more money, I think owners would be certainly in favor of it but also to those soccer components those tournaments become more valuable to some franchises than others if you're the warriors and don't want to waste your time with a side tournament well you just mail it in in the first round and play your whole bench and then you you proceed to what you think is is more attainable but if you're a, a a team like the i mean even if you're a team like the jazz and you want to give it a go and try to get another uh type of tournament title Mm -hmm. you have something else to play for you'd have to make it financially worthwhile for the players if they're going to play extra games you'd have to give them enough financial incentive to go out there and play well you mentioned it a lot of people think 82 is already too many right so but uh, yeah i mean is it too many for what reason though because i think a lot of the complaint out there is 82 is too many because it makes so many games in the regular season worthless the idea behind a tournament oh, I, would to be really, to make those games count. I don't think it's a matter of that. I think it's a matter of how many how many how many games are in an average NBA athlete. Oh, see, I don't think people worry about that so much. Oh, I I see. I think the 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 reason that you have um, load management and those sorts of things is because it's it's better for you to save your player for the postseason than it is to put them through the grind of 82 regular season games. Be, and one particular game doesn't have enough meaning to, to make you play that player. Hmm. I don't know. I, I've, I've heard coaches complain about this, that, uh, that fatigue is a factor. How is this okay? So let's say that they they uh, this idea gets rolling. How do you see it being formed? So the season starts when? Uh, I think you can sprinkle these games in throughout the season, and maybe you extend it by a week or or two on either end. But I think you can do like what soccer does, and if you have uh, a long layoff, you plug one of these games in there. 
So when is the then? When would the championship be? Uh, See, ideally. the logistics are up in the air because he's uh-huh. talking about possibly putting it in like the All Star break and or something along those lines. Um, I I think you'd have to to massage the logistics to make it work, but because that's why he's just talking about conceptually, and I like the concept of it. Making it work might be it might be impossible. Hmm. It, it'd probably be somewhat difficult, I would imagine. But I I love the concept of it. Give franchises something else to play for. Maybe you don't think you're quite to the point where you can contend for an NBA title, but maybe you can give this short one-off tournament a run. Hmm. Yeah, I like that idea. I just don't know about the practicality of it because I don't know how many how many games in a sh- in a relatively compact time frame these guys can play effectively. And does it increase the likelihood of injury? And how serious would the would the individual franchises take it? I I don't know. If you made it financially worth their while, I think fran- franchises would take it seriously, or certain franchises would. Maybe teams that only the teams that didn't qualify for the playoffs the year before are eligible for the tournament that year. Well, I like being open to new ideas. I, I'm just trying to wonder. I just in soccer, this is a part of the soccer tradition. I mean, this has been going on well, since the beginning, hasn't it? And certain soccer, like uh, soccer games or football, they're a little bit more spread out, and so it's probably easier to sandwich games in between, you know, the other league play and that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I think there would be some logistical stuff that you can you'd have to tackle. But I I like it. I like the idea, and maybe uh, whatever you called it, uh, the uh, Monson Cup. Maybe it doesn't carry the same meaning as an NBA title, but it's still something else to put in the trophy case and something else to play for. Let's think of a title. What would be a good uh, a good title for this tournament? And let, let's make some rules here. Let's say that you do have international teams that are invited in to play. Um, and let's say you have to win how many games in order to win the title? Eight? That, that seems like that, a lot, but yeah, yeah. Less than that? Well, I don't know. Five? So let's say let's just let's just say it's six. Six games uh that you have to win. And it's sprinkled over how long a time? I don't know, half the season. Okay. And then we call it what? The silver cup? See, there you go. Done. Decided. Okay, the silver cup. And let's say the silver cup is filled with gold. How much gold would it take? What if you? What if it was like? And I don't know. You, the broadcast rights for this would be really interesting, right? But if you could somehow make it a million bucks a player. Okay, so you're looking at uh, now. Is that for the winner or for the winner? Yeah, a million bucks a player. Maybe each round you get. You know, fifty, a hundred grand. You'd have to is make a, it. Is a million enough? I don't know. It would be for some players. Well, yeah. I mean, if if you're making twenty million dollars a year, another million dollars is still an extra five percent of your salary. Okay, so it's a million dollars per player for the winning team. Um, the silver cup. Would, it, do you think fans would get behind this? I do, because I think okay, it would be, so, give fans another thing to get excited okay, about. Okay, so let's say the Jazz are the fourth best team in the West. Uh, you know, that's sort of in the neighborhood of where they are. 
uh, and they win the Silver Cup. How much pride does the fan base take in that? I think there's some pride there because you probably have to beat some good teams along the way. It's not an NBA title, and I don't think their their purpose we would be to create a, a title equivalent. I think it would just be to add some more spice to the gumbo. So do you like the Silver Cup? I mean, soccer has the Gold Cup. So the Silver Cup, Adam Silver, or do you want to call it Adam's Apple? Uh, let's see. Luke tweets in. I didn't think that was funny. Well, I'm, I'm, what do you up. mean Apple? What is that? What? Dude, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a name. What would you Adam's call Adam's Apple? But that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Adam's Rib. <laughs> Uh, Luke on Twitter says, throw in some extra ping pong balls to the winner of the tournament. Incentive Uh, for bad or middle teams to win. Oh, I kind of like that idea. See, I like that idea too, except for it doesn't really incentivize players. Yeah, I guess. In fact, it probably unmotivates players. (laughs) Why would you want your team to draft your replacement? (laughs) Good point. But it would... would, uh, it would be a fun motivator for the front office, I suppose. Sure but you'd, you'd still have to find a way to to compensate the players. You'd have to find a way to motivate players. And maybe the, what's interesting is maybe a team like Golden State wouldn't give two rips about this. But a team like Sacramento would really care about it, right? Or would they? An up-and-coming team that wants to, to prove themselves and possibly take home some sort of uh, of title not the nba title well, we didn't get uh, we didn't we didn't get the uh, the nba title but we got the silver cup it'd just be another i mean maybe it turns out to be an afterthought in a media guide or something but i don't think the the purpose of it would be to crown a champion i think it would be to add uh, intrigue to what's going on during the nba season i remember walking past the trophy case at the Clippers' very nice practice facility in L.A. Uh, during the playoffs one year. And guess what was absolutely empty? The trophy case? The trophy case. So you put the silver cup in there. Yeah, you got something. You got something. Uh, let's see here. I, I mean, I think it'd be on the on the same line as like a, a division title or something like that. I mean, it's not necessarily something that uh, is the end-all, be-all, but it's uh, – another list of an accomplishment for a team or something along those lines. I think it really comes down to how much interest it would create among the fans. Because if it was important to the fans, then it would be obviously important to I think franchise. if the Jazz were not necessarily a title contender but still making like a silver cup run, I I think that would be interesting. I don't want to speak for the fans, and maybe you could let us know. I mean, at Jake Scott Zone, at Gordon Monson, at Austin Horton, or you can uh, you can weigh in on the open mic feature on the Zone Sports Network app. I mean, maybe fans would view it, you know, like, oh, like a preseason game or something like that. But I think that there would be more juice to it. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe. They would have to build up some steam. And obviously anything that has any kind of tradition behind it would be, would uh, make it, uh, what, carry more weight and, uh, you know. Have have that. Everybody likes to hoist a trophy. Right. Right. I think Gage makes a, a great point. He says, I like the Monson Cup. Then everyone would be trying to one-up each other. <laughs> nice. Well put. Great point, Gage. Thanks for sending that. It's a good story. I don't think I can top that. You don't think that that would be interesting, though, to have some sort of, of alternate tournament to go on simultaneously? I, I love that idea. As long as it doesn't take away from the regular season. Hmm. All right. 
well, uh, well, in soccer, I mean, for the Gold Cup, sometimes you see these MLS teams send their minor league That's teams true. to play because it's not really all that important to them. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, you'd have to make a rule or something. But the NBA, let's say the Jazz didn't care about it and – uh, we're just looking to get some guys some work with something on the line. Send, send yeah, the stars over that, there to play, not, you know? But that's not going to draw a whole lot of interest. No, it's not. But that would be part of the, uh, I don't know. Uh, if it doesn't carry prestige, it's not going to uh, It's not going to fly, I don't think. Right. Maybe true. But I'm not saying it wouldn't. I like new ideas. I think, uh, I think that's uh, got some. How hard was he pushing for this? Oh, I think he's just throwing stuff out there. Wow. But they, they, he definitely indicated that he's looked into it, and he's fascinated by the European model. Huh. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe it would work. Well, why not? Give it a try, see how it goes, and build momentum from there. Is this along the lines of uh, wanting to start games at 6 o'clock? Uh, no, but I think that's brilliant, and I think they should implement that immediately. Uh, <laughs> is that because you think – uh, who does it benefit? Everybody. <laughs> and you might get home before midnight. Everybody benefits from an early start. Yeah, I can't argue that. All right, stay tuned. We've got the Not Sports Board coming up next. David Locke, top of the 5 o'clock hour, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This Parks and Austin Horton. This specific season, I get where everybody's feeling optimistic about BYU. If you think Utah's going to come into this trying to ease their way into the season, you're crazy. Because I think part of their goal is try to clinch a New Year's Six type spot before the conference title game. How are you realistically going to do that? Sweep your non-conference. That's where coaching really plays a big part, though. It'd be easy for a young player in a college football program of that caliber to overlook BYU and say, ah, we got this. Who's next? And that's where coaching has to play a big part. Right. And obviously, there's not a soul anywhere that knows anything about Kyle Whittingham that believes he would ever take this game lightly. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now, your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going uh, We're going to Hollywood. I have two today, actually. Okay. Uh, the first one I'll start with. I saw the uh, video that's been going around of uh, America's Got Talent, Cody Lee. Uh, the young man, I guess he's 22 years old, who is autistic and blind, uh, put on a performance for the judges, Simon Cowell, uh, Howie Mandel, Gabrielle Union, and Julianne Huff. And I watched that, and I'm telling you, if you haven't seen it, it's worth watching. It is, I don't know, it got a little dusty. When I watched it, it was pretty cool. So if you get a chance, uh, it's online. It's floating around. You saw it. You saw of it. You just didn't watch. I it. I have right not there. watched it yet, but I've seen uh, all the conversation online about it. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it's well worth taking a few minutes 
to check that thing out. It's amazing what uh, what people can do when they face adversity. And uh, that kid is very, very talented. The second thing is, Austin, I know you're a big, big fan of uh, sequels. You are? Yeah. Not really. Depends, but yeah. Top Gun Maverick is uh, is coming out. You know when that's going to be released? You know, Austin? I don't know. I it's, don't. it's coming up in a bit. But John Hamm stars in that. Now, a lot of people really like Top Gun. I mean, that was a blockbuster hit. June 26, 2020. Okay. So it's a ways off. But a lot of people were big fans of Top Gun, obviously with Tom Cruise in that. Val Kilmer was in it. Well, Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer are going to be in the sequel, Top Gun Maverick, along with John Hamm. And some people think, oh, well, you know, what can they do that's any different? Well, according to John Hamm, it's going to blow your mind. He said of Top Gun Maverick. It's very it's got a very similar vibe to the first one. Uh, getting the whole team back together is making for a very strange experience, but a wonderful experience as well. Uh, he said they're using some technology on this that is never before seen. It's incredibly high def. He said the aerial footage is mind-blowing, and there's not a lot of computer graphics. Those guys are really up in planes and getting thrown around in multiple Gs. He says, for the people who love the first movie, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch. It very much takes the story in a different direction, but I think for the new fans, it's going to be something very cool. I've seen some of the footage. It is out of this world. Now, did you like Top Gun? I did. So when you like a movie... Does and a sequel is coming out. Does it freak you out a little bit? Are you worried that the legacy of the film might be damaged somehow? I mean, uh, I'm not worried about it. I'm positive that's going to happen, and thus I'm not going to see it. <laughs> that's exactly what I did with Indiana Jones and the Cursed Purple Skull, or whatever that silly movie was. <laughs> well, there was in there the Temple of Doom first. Those sequels, one, like then, uh, those sequels, were okay. I mean, if you make a sequel a couple years later, if if you've run, totally run out of ideas and you tr try to reheat something thirty years later, <laughs> odds are it's going to suck. I I don't. I'm not going to see the new Coming to America for the exact same reason. Love well, the original. Not a chance. What about it's Toy good. Story Four? Uh, well, I haven't seen Toy Story Three, so what? No. Oh man, they yeah. were all good. Aren't they having a Toy Story marathon over there at the Megaplex? Yeah, tune into the Movie Zone tomorrow. We'll tell you about it. And yeah. those have at least been spread out periodically, right? They didn't come back to the same idea thirty years later. Yeah, and they didn't introduce aliens like Indiana Jones did. Yeah, yeah, they did aliens in the Crystal <laughs> Skull. It's all about aliens. Oh man, there's only been one good Indiana Jones. The first one. Okay, uh, two good Indiana Jones. The the Ark and the Last Crusade. You didn't like Temple of Doom? No. It's well, my least that, that was the one that got panned by the critics. It's my bit. least favorite of the three, but I don't think I'd call it a bad movie. No, it's terrible. Number one is terrific. Agreed. And then the uh, the Ark and the or the Last Crusade is good too. Well, in the case of Top Gun, the original was in 1986. So, how many years is that? Thirty? How many? No, two. It's going to be 34 by the time it comes out. So. That's some hang time. Yeah. Uh, that worries me. Not going <laughs> to see That's like it. a Ray Guy punt. 
but uh, I'm hoping it's good. Because I like the first one. And Speaking what, of dated references. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> well, there's an award named after him, right? But not Which all. means he's really, really old. <laughs> that's true, but he was a heck of a punter. Not all, all of that. us were old enough to cover him, Gordon. Okay, so I remember talking about Ray Guy once. I'm not that old. No, are you going to tell and a somebody, Ray Guy anecdote? Is that really going to happen? One of our listeners sent me a, a Ray Guy card. With a, you know, with a, like a business card? Or? No, like a plastic, like a, like a trading card in a plastic frame and everything. But anyway. Uh, so their wife was going to make him throw it out. But, huh? <laughs> here and her there. But I'm hoping it's good. And I like watching those kinds of airplanes fly around. The technology there is just out of this world. You, if, if I'm at a, a football game and I see those jets fly overhead, I'm going to stop and watch that. Aren't you? Doesn't that kind of just take your breath away? Uh-huh. So to speak. <laughs> was that a song in the original? Yeah. Take My Breath Away was a song in the in the original. Yep. Okay. That is, uh, anyway. That Here's is to true. hoping it's good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to watch I'm going to see it. No way it's unless, good. Uh, unless the critics just kill it. Then I won't. But if, it's, if it, it has some promise... And people say it's good. I'm going to go check that out. And I think you should, too. Don't just not. Would you not have seen Godfather 2? Godfather 2 came really close to Godfather 1. And I wish I had not seen Godfather 3, which was like 15 (laughs) years later. Okay. All right. Joining us now in studio, our friend Andrew Reinhardt. Andrew, real quick, there's no way this new Top Gun movie is going to be worth seeing. I I know nothing about it. I've heard a little bit, but I know nothing about it. Did you see the first? Oh, yeah. and Goose died, right? Yeah. That was a sad moment. What? You know, you know what my wife's favorite part of that whole movie was? Goose dying? No. The volleyball. Yes. Of course. Well, women love that. <laughs> kind of reminded her of me, I think. <laughs> when, when the guy flexes. I doubt it. I mean, you're still wearing the same jeans they wore in that scene. So. <laughs> uh, Andrew uh, is here from Wasatch Medical Clinic. He's helping out our listeners. Uh, speaking of back in the day, get their love life like it was back get in back the day. back on track. Yeah, yeah, there you go. We've got a new treatment um, called acoustic wave therapy. If you haven't heard of it, that's because it's been FDA cleared for maybe four or five year, uh, years here in the U.S., but used in Europe extensively. Um, clinically proven to increase blood flow. So guys with erectile dysfunction haven't had really good solutions. Um, dangerous supplements, medication, the side effects, and guys listening are probably thinking, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm dealing with the headaches. I'm dealing with you know the hangover feeling the next day. Uh, what's so cool about our treatments is over about a two- to three-week period, a few treatments, non-invasive, a guy can get back to normal function in the bedroom. It increases blood flow, so there's no need for any medication at all. Uh, you told us earlier uh, on one of your visits that people are, are all of a sudden going in for low T when that's yeah. not the problem at all, and that doesn't actually help, and they're doing other things. It's a huge myth. Guys think, okay, I've got ED, so I'm low on testosterone. They'll order some online, or they'll maybe start injecting, and it doesn't do anything. I think there's maybe a benefit for testosterone in, in other things in your life, but right. when it comes to ED, it, there's not. Uh, pretty much, I mean, maybe 80% of the patients that come in have tried testosterone and failed wow. with it. So um, this is a physical problem. It's a blood vessel issue. That's exactly what our treatments, you know, uh, they widen those blood vessels, so increase the blood flow. And you're just helping folks get back to normal. We are. You got to work just normal function in the bedroom, uh, no medication needed like it used to. 
All right, it's that easy, 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, and you're going to make that free consult uh, at the beginning for our listeners. Yeah, we are. So call in right now. The medical doctor will do a totally free assessment uh, for you. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound and, and really be able to tell you why you have ED, what you can do to improve it, where you're at, and most importantly, what kind of results you can expect. And there's no cost. It's totally free. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Thank you very much, Thank Andrew. you, guys. All right, David Locke joins us next, 97.5. And twelve eighty of the zone. This 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 is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. A lot of times people will ask me if you wouldn't have been a professional football player, if you wouldn't have been a radio analyst, what would you have been? I always tell them a paleontologist. I, We've done shows for a long time. You've never, ever mentioned that, ever. I know. Paleontology? What? Maybe if you showed more I interest was, in the things I'm interested in. Was it just in? because of Laura Dern in Jurassic Park? Because you say that, then I'm like, okay, I got you. You know, Sam Neill was never right for her. Now, Dr. Hans. Dr. Hans. <laughs> Girl, nature always finds a way. I don't know how you guys take my dreams and just crumple them up like a piece of paper and throw it right back in my face. Oh, man. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, let's-